You're listening to the Dungeons, Dragons, and Psychology Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons, Dragons, and Psychology Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Walker, and today I'm joined again by my good friend, Dustin Archer, who's been with me a couple times in the past. Welcome back, Dustin. Thank you so much, Rob. So today we're going to be talking about fast travel and time skipping. These are two different but linked ideas that happen in a campaign, and they can sometimes be very useful. Sometimes they can be a little detrimental. What are your thoughts on, let's start with fast traveling? So fast travel obviously is something that pretty much has to be done. If the party is going from a city where they meet in a tavern and they get the classic, we're going to go plumb the depths of this dungeon for whatever reason. Oftentimes the dungeon isn't in the city and they need to travel to get there. So if it's a two day journey on foot, you don't want to spend two days worth of your campaign going through that journey in most cases. It's just not as fun. You know, people come to the table, not for the, the humdrum mundanity of the normal day to day, but they want to get to the action, right? So you got to be a little careful, though, on the other hand, you can't say, OK, you leave the city and you arrive two days later at the dungeon and just jump right in because then they didn't get the experience of even getting out there and going there. So I think that there is a fine balance, like you're saying, between what is appropriate and what isn't. You need to be able to use that fast travel when it makes sense, but also give the party a, a sensation, even if it's just flavor. As you get outside of the of the village, you find you know the dew still clinging to the trees from the rain the, last night. You had that smell in the air. It smells like fresh adventure, and you're mm-hmm. excited to go. And there's a traditional, like, there has to be a combat. There has to be a random encounter. I'm not a fan of that, if it mm-hmm. makes sense, if you're trying to portray a dangerous world. That certainly makes sense, but it's it's you can be flexible with it. There's a lot of different ways you can do it, but I think it's got to be a balance between jumping right into the action and spending so much time on the mundane that that you're going to lose your player's interest and attention. Yeah, I agree with the the random encounters is one of those things that um, I mentioned in my book, um, and I typically don't like random encounters. I like planned encounters. If I'm going to have there be something that the party needs to face or fight on their way from point A to point B, it needs to add to the story. Yes, sometimes there are random things, and every now and then occasionally if I'm like scrambling to put my notes together, I'll throw out a random encounter because it gives me the opportunity to finish what I'm working on while the players are engaged in combat for a few moments. But typically, I like to see only what matters happening in the story or only what the players are driven to or is going to continue the story. But the random encounter thing, actually, that could be used if it's not a random encounter that's a planned encounter, but the players think it's a random encounter. It's far more interesting when you're trying to make your players get a feel for the flavor of the setting and you choose to fight, you know, a group of goblins, you know, it's the classic, you know, first level example. Uh And maybe those goblins are a random encounter in your player's eyes, but then maybe they discover a note or, you know, the goblins you later learn kidnapped someone that they need to go rescue. And it just ends up being a foreshadowing tool. So if you're going to, you know, you need to do something and if you're going to use the combat random encounter, that can be used, I think, with great effect, especially if you have a purpose in mind behind that encounter. And again, that purpose can be as simple as just trying to make sure your players get a good feeling for the flavor, particularly early in the campaign. But it's even more fun when it ties into a plot element you're going to be working with Mm -hmm. later. So then on the other side of that, you have time skipping, 
which is a little bit different than fast travel. So time skipping is interesting. We we did a campaign years ago called Last Harbingers where the player characters were immortal and they were traveling back in time. And at one point we skipped 300 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no there's no way you could make that work. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I understood what the players were trying to do and they were trying to build all these businesses and, you know, impact the course of history. But it, it to skip 300 years, you would almost have to run a session every month. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we wanted to spend three decades of real time, you know, role playing through that 300 years period. So it's a bit of a struggle. So I think that it needs to be somewhat realistic. If uh, if the players say, hey, I want some downtime, which we'll often get after a few adventures, the PCs will have some skills that they want to practice, they some money they want to spend, they want to you know, build a business or start, you know, some sort of a project or organization. You got to give them time to do that, but you can't give them an unlimited time. Say, okay, I'm going to spend the next three years doing this. Well, the world is probably going to have things happening. Mm-hmm. At the very least, the villains are going to be up to their nefarious plans and something's going to throw a wrench in what the PCs are trying to do. So if you're going to time skip, I think you can time skip in weeks safely without really making a meaningful, you know, losing some of that that feel of the urgency and the importance of the PCs in the world. But realistically, if you can skip more than a few months, what's the point of your PCs in the world anyway? If they're not that Mm -hmm. important to what's going on in the story, is it really even their story at that point? I think time skipping is definitely an important tool that should be utilized at some point in most games, because there usually are periods of time where just dealing with the minutia of here's what's happening today. It's the same thing that's happening tomorrow. It's the same thing that's happening sure. the next day as you're, you know, crafting magical items or working on a player business or many of the other downtime type of things that cl- characters can get involved in. However, I think you're right when you're talking about if you're skipping an exorbitant amount of time, there either has to be some narration that's going to tie mm-hmm. the start of your time to the end of your time, or there needs to be moments for your characters to interact during that time. Absolutely. And actually, we've used that to great effect in the most recent campaign where there's been the party needed to wait a week for something to happen. Well, we probably spent half to a full session on just that downtime week. And there was a lot of wonderful opportunity for role play, for character relationships to be built. Because you think about it, your PCs are usually in the heat of the moment in a dungeon. You know, there's combat going on. They're all Mm -hmm. doing their own things. They're all trying to work together. They're working toward a goal. And they're interacting at kind of a high level, but they don't really have the chance to build those interpersonal relationships that really tend to define a campaign as it gets going. So you can actually use that downtime as a way if you don't just skip, okay, a week passes and then this happens, you say, okay, so the next day you wake up and it's a bright sunny morning, there's not a lot going on. And then give the PCs five, 10 minutes to chat with each other and figure out what they're going to do today. And even if it's not much, it's not important, but they'll have the chance to have those conversations, build those relationships, and then they'll really feel like, okay, it's been four hours real time. I feel like we've waited a week. Let's get to the next thing. <laughs> yeah. I And I, I think you're right about that too. It is important in downtime to have the opportunity for players to have player to player interaction. I think that's some of the best places for character relationships to be built Mm -hmm. is during the downtime when they actually have the time to talk about their backstories and share how they're feeling about the way things are going with the party or come up with ideas together and, you know, be as thick as thieves sometimes, Mm -hmm. literally. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's talk about one other time, uh, one other type of fast travel, which is the idea of teleport or magical transportation. Uh, because it is a little bit different than just, you know, skipping the traveling portion of it. Now you're actually traveling in an instant from place A to place B. And sometimes I think teleport can be a, a difficult thing to 
to navigate as a GM because it does take away so much, I think, DM control in some mm-hmm. circumstances. But we've mitigated that a little bit with different house rules that we use with, sure. with teleportation. Um, what are your thoughts on on teleportation as as sort of a plot jumping point? Well, I have three or four thoughts on the subject, actually. So I don't like to penalize players who want to teleport. I think teleport is a wonderfully powerful ability that truly gives the players the ability to experience your world the way they want to experience it. Uh, the house rule Rob mentioned is we just don't let players teleport to a place they have never been. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole scry and die thing, we've kind of put the kibosh on that and you have to actually have been to a place to be able to teleport or you have to be able to physically see it from your position mm-hmm. uh, to be able to teleport there. So that prevents that, you know, completely going harebrained. I'm going to go explore a continent a way that the GM has prepped nothing for but it's actually an opportunity for the gm to improv and develop those skills because you're not sure once your players have an ability like teleport where they're going to go necessarily so you got to give them some flexibility the way i like to mitigate that is i like to really stress the ardor the the difficulty anyway of traveling at low levels if a pc is if a group of party is going to you know a week away i want to spend an hour outside of combat describing all the difficulties of starting their campfire in the snow or, you know, just dealing with getting lost in the wilderness and make them feel miserable at low levels. Because later when they gain an ability like teleport, they're going to appreciate that so much Mm -hmm. more. Yeah, I agree with that. I think also one of the things that comes up for me when you're talking about this is, yes, at low levels, I do think that that vulnerability is an important thing to experience for characters. But I also think on the other side of that, I don't like when the world always scales with the characters in their traveling. So that's where I think random encounters become a little bit silly. Like, yeah, when you're your first level adventurer, you're sure. rolling on that. Okay, we're going to have random encounters from level one to level three characters. And then later on at 10th level, you're okay. This is the random encounters for 10th right. to 12th. Like, weren't those characters probably there the whole time if those bad, big bad monsters were always out and about? That's a very good point. And, you know, you can there are ways to explain that if you're running a campaign where there's a you know lurking evil in the distance. And and I think Wheel of Time with like uh, the Trollocs coming in and mm-hmm. early game, they're really truly they're in a remote area. It's far away from everything. So they got the low level stuff. And then as they get closer to the action, more of the high level monsters. OK, in that kind of a world that actually creates, you know. Some some verisimilitude makes it make sense. Mm-hmm. So, but in most campaigns, if they're in the same village or the same city, and then they go outside, and oh, I somehow missed the Hydra and the dragon out right. there at, at low levels, but at high levels, they're they're right there. Well, I think I think two things you can do with that. Number one, tr- have those encounters foreshadowed if you're planning on doing it for low at uh, later level mm-hmm. at low level. Mention to the second level p- uh, party that they see the silhouette of a dragon against the clouds in the distance and let them panic that they're going to encounter that and hide. And then later when they encounter the dragon at level 13, it's not going to seem like a random encounter. It'll seem like something that's part right. of the world and it'll create that sense. The other side of it is have more small encounters at low level and at high level just sprinkle your quote quote random encounters much more rarely and you can even talk about how hey you encounter a tribe of goblins they're no threat that's the kind of example for fast travel that it's not a big deal just hey you encounter your 12th level characters you encounter a group of 20 goblins they're no threat to you how do you want to handle it right and you don't have to necessarily run that combat so that's a great example of skipping that can make sense and then explain hey okay based on your choice you're able to achieve whatever you want to achieve and you go from there 
I think for me, a better place to see those kind of encounters is obviously as you're in your bigger zones, right? So instead of traveling on the roadside and all of a sudden you're running into to dragons and Hydra and sure. all these big monsters, you're just you're just moving those type of encounters to like the entry to the dungeon that you're going into or in the first couple of rooms. So you can still have like the place where, yeah, they're about to enter. It's at the end of their journey. There's a powerful guardian that's protecting the place. I think that makes a little more sense than the city streets that are paroled by the the city watch or, you know, even early, like if they're traveling those same paths that they've been down a bunch of times before, unless there's some cataclysmic event sure. or like the notion of the big dragon took up roost. And now it's something that they're going to have to deal with. I agree with you. Save those kind of things for more sparsity, but bigger involvement. I think of the way Skyrim handles this is they have at level one, you can still deal with all the big dragons. I mean, once you, you know, get that unlocked and early, early in the game, but they're usually in distant locations. They're mm -hmm. in rare, unusual. If you stay on the road, you're typically not going to encounter them. Right. When you start to go up to the top of a mountain where the dragon does roost, yeah, you're going to find a dragon there. So, I mean, that certainly makes some sense. But the random encounters, you know, just in terms of when you're skipping through fast traveling, as, as you know, we're talking about, that's the kind of thing where you just got to make sure that you can't just throw the random encounter. Oh, you're 13th level. So you fight a small tribe of fire giants. It's like, mm -hmm. why are they there? Right. If there's a reason in the story. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to make sense. It's got to advance the story, not like derail the story is a, is a good way, I think, to look at it. And, you know, you mentioned like there can be these places where these things were already set up in story. It reminds me a little bit of Breath of the Wild, the um, Legend of Zelda game. Mm -hmm. You can as soon as you leave the the um, practice area, you can go fight the end boss sure. immediately within like 10 minutes. You'll lose, but he's there. Very likely, unless you're one of these crazy players who've dedicated hundreds and hundreds of hours <laughs> to just fighting the main boss and winning without any other boons or benefits. Yeah. You're you're going to lose. It's going to be a TPK if you're going to run off and face the BBEG at the, mm -hmm. you know, end of your first session. But when we're talking about this whole, you know, notion of both skipping time and skipping, you know, the travel distance and fast traveling, really low level characters should be able to have a lot less flexibility in doing either of those things. Mm -hmm. And as the main plot begins to get told and the players are more involved in the fate of the world, it makes sense to skip over the one week that they spend, you know, going through the wilderness and then just, you know, go through a, you know, two minute little narrative of what's going on and then jump right back into the action. So I think that's mostly a level and power dependent thing more than anything else at low level. They have to feel the struggles to appreciate the lack of them at high level. I see your thoughts on teleport that a 20th level character. Okay. They're just going to teleport into the next dungeon where the boss is and the fight starts. Yes, but high level powerful people can stop those type of effects too. No, so, you're, you're definitely right. There's, there's protections and things that can be put in place as a DM if you're not ready for a party to take that step, sure. you can always say, sorry, there's a dimensional anchor or there's this. Yeah, you can get closer if you want, but you're still going to have to make the final approach where they're going to have the opportunity to see you coming. Exactly. And you don't want I mean, you don't want the high level play, which I mean, frankly, if you've played from the very beginning up through high levels, you want to give your players a chance to feel special, feel strong. But you don't want the story to just immediately end because, oh, I can teleport to the boss and now we can fight him and we're going to win. No, a smart boss, a smart villain doesn't need to be 10 levels higher than the party. They could be one or two levels higher, but mm -hmm. they're going to set up a situation where the party is going to have used some resources before they get to them. So I just assume that any 
any spellcasting, you know, BBEG, which I arguably most of them are going to be, is smart enough to think about, okay, so I have this terrible plan to corrupt the world. Someone's going to try to stop me. How am I going to try to stop them from doing that? And all you do is – and then that allows them to skip through the things that aren't really important to move on to the action. But when it's a major plot hinging event or a series of you know dungeons or your final chapter in your campaign, then they don't have the luxury of skipping that because that's not what you want them to skip. You want them to skip the stuff that's not essential to the story at the later points. Well, and, and your player characters are going to be jumping around thinking, okay, well, I'm not great at will save, so I'm going to get this, uh, you know, this cloak that's going to boost my resistances. Mm-hmm. Your BBEGs are doing the same thing. They're sure. going to have time to understand what their vulnerabilities are and find ways to compensate for those vulnerabilities. Particularly if they're familiar with the players and aware of their, you know, that the PCs are their enemies long before the final confrontation happens. Yeah, if they know what their skill sets are, they're mm-hmm. going to know how to prepare to not have those skill sets be the thing that wrecks them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that just allows the PCs who you can give them the flexibility to fast travel and to skip time to a certain point as you get approaching the end of the campaign. But they're not going to be able to skip right into the action unless for some reason that's the story you're trying to tell. Or maybe it's a trap. It could be a trap. That's always that's always a good way to do it. And and some of the systems have incorporated some pretty great wards that are good traps for people mm-hmm. who do use teleport a lot like there's is ones that if you teleport into a certain area you take damage and you sure. get shunted and and i think that's a useful tool as well as long as it's not overused you don't yes. want to pe- penalize your players for having a powerful high level ability or they just won't want to play in your games right. beyond a certain yeah you level. don't want to penalize them for having their cool abilities you just want to penalize them for using them on your bosses that's it <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you say that as a joke but i completely agree <laughs> well i mean it is a fair trade right if sure. you're gonna try and scry and die the big bad evil guy then maybe you need to get a little slap on the wrist sure we've talked about this uh, before but you know at the end of the day in your final confrontation if a pc or two dies all the better i i agree yeah i i like a final battle that takes it really down to the wire to the last one or two players standing Mm -hmm. and they know that one more hit from the bad guy they're gonna drop two they squeak off that you know lucky roll and have that moment of elation because everything was so close to just falling the other way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into tricks of the trade. On today's tricks of the trade, we're going to be talking about a couple of fun or interesting ways to fast travel or to time skip or ways that could be used in your games that might make it a little more interesting when you do these things. I'll go ahead and start first. And one idea I have is setting up teleportation circles or portals throughout your world. But whenever you use them, you still have the same amount of time pass Mm. that would have passed as if you had walked that distance. There's no danger. There's no risk of a random encounter. You experience it as though you just walked through a threshold, but the time passes Anyways, it's almost like you want to grab a newspaper on the other side or a crier. What's happened in the three months that I've been gone? Yeah. And I thought it would be really cool, too, if they had like uh, they had arches or they had like tablets around them or, you know, that says, here's the destination. Here's how much time you're going to lose when you walk through the store. So you're always aware of here's the cost of fast travel. It's interesting. A cost not in money, but in time. Right. That's unique. I like that. 
Well, when we're talking about, you know, uh, different ways to time skip, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of basic ways that work very, very well for a lot of different campaigns. Um, but we're about almost a year into my Tolis campaign right now, and we're to about half the halfway point in the story that I've, uh, the general bones that I've conceived. So we came up with an idea that I'm calling intermission, where we're going to basically take some time off for the campaign. And part of the reason for that is the PCs are about to reach a point in the story where they're going to need some downtime, some serious downtime by the uh, by months, if not a full year of downtime time. But I don't want to just get past it because there's going to be a lot that goes on. So the way that I've decided to handle this is when we reach that point of intermission, we're going to break from this campaign and do another game or two in the meantime. But what I'm still going to do is work with all the players on a weekly basis and get an idea of what their characters are up to for that week in Tolis in the game. And then I'll be able to give them every week a narrative of all the things that are going on. Are you successful or not in the ambitions that you're you know working towards? How are the relationships between both the PCs themselves and other NPCs in the world going. And exactly one week in real time will pass as one week in the game passes. Mm. So when we get back to the game, be that, you know, six to 12 months down the line, you'll really feel that that time has passed. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it'll still provide an opportunity for the PCs to have deepened their relationships, both with each other and with the world. Uh, So they'll really feel that that meaningful presence. Uh, and it, it's still flexible enough that, you know, that could be six months, it could be 12, just depending on, you know, what goes on. But it'll really, I think they'll appreciate the amount of time really passing. And then the next time the players want to skip three months, they're going to hesitate, just like they would in the <laughs> real world, because who really wants to skip three months most of the time in the real world as well. It's an interesting concept, and I'm I'm excited to see how it plays out because it is something that we haven't done before. Mm-hmm. And I always like to see how new things work in our games and um if they work well, we tend to incorporate them into future games. If they don't work well, we tend to scrap them. But I love the idea of trying something that is so drastically different from any way that we've done time skipping in the past. So I think I'm looking forward to seeing how this works. It's funny you mentioned, actually, we're kind of play testers. You know, we've done this for so many years. We can tell uh, all, the, all the listeners what works and what doesn't in our experience. <laughs> and we'll be your beta testers for some of this stuff. So feel free to share some ideas if you want us to try anything bizarre and weird you're thinking uh, before you uh, do it with your real group and potentially prematurely into campaign. Right. That's true. Yeah. Check back with us in six months and we'll update you on how this has worked. Absolutely. Um, okay. So another idea that I had is similar to this sort of uh similar to your idea a little bit but it's the idea of when your characters are building their backstories to also have them include a section of what they will normally be doing during downtime or during Mm. time skips so that way you don't actually have to send spend the time saying okay what are you doing for this next three weeks what are you doing for this next three weeks all around the table and spend an hour for everybody explaining you can just ask hey is anybody doing anything differently than their character normally does during during a uh, downtime. And if they're not great, you just saved yourself 15, 20 minutes as you can get ready to move on to the next portion. You can roll your dice, see what kind of coin they made while they were doing their profession checks or whatever like that, but already have that step done so that it's a time saver for you later on. I love that. And then you could just give them a little narration. I think one of the things that you would have to do, though, is periodically every, you know, eight to 10 sessions, check in with the players and make sure what they have listed, what they have written down for what they like to do in downtime is the same. Because especially as characters, you know, get to know the world more, get to know each other more and the setting and what their goals are, they, they may change. Mm-hmm. But I love that having that already prepped in advance so you can really maximize your time at the game table. Yeah, it's probably one of those things like if you're keeping DM notes about the player skills and and checks and things like that 
it's probably one of those things you want to update whenever they level the same way that you would update those sheets as well. Sure. That absolutely makes sense. Anything else for you, Dustin? Oh, uh, you know, I think there a lot of the stuff for, you know, skipping time or fast traveling has already been talked about. So I don't see the need to necessarily repeat it here. I would just conclude by saying, listen to your players and chat with them about it. Get an idea of what they're most comfortable with. Some players like myself are going to really want to get into the nitty gritty and the, you know, the spend, if we're going to spend a week traveling to this destination, I want to spend three sessions suffering through the misery <laughs> of that travel. But that's probably not every player and that's certainly not every group. So I think it's it's good for a, a GM to touch base and get an idea with their players and also to set proper expectations. Let them know if you have any house rules about teleport. Let mm-hmm. them know kind of how that's working. And ideally before they get the spell, um, right. you know, so if you have that good line of communication on how you're going to handle fast travel and you get a good idea of what your PCs are expecting, I think it's going to contribute to a more successful campaign. I agree. And when you do a session zero, it's a good idea to find out what your players think about time skipping in the first place, mm-hmm. because some players might say that, hey, we don't really like the downtime stuff. You might have a group that's just not interested in rolling profession checks or building businesses, and they just want to get to the meat and potatoes of combat. Like, Or you I, might have the opposite. Or I think you our, could group have the, our group leave. is probably the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> They want to lean, okay, so can we get through the adventure so we can actually do what we really want to do? Right. <laughs> Let's build our empire. Like <laughs> Exactly. Oh, that, that has happened too many times. Yes, it definitely has. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining me, Dustin. I appreciate having you here every time that you're here. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Let's uh, can't wait for the next one. Uh, let's uh, sign off now. But before we go, I just want to remind everyone to please subscribe to the podcast. Leave it a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also check out my book, Session Zero, the DMG to writing great campaigns in any system. You can find it on Amazon. There's also a link in the show notes. And anytime, feel free to send me an email if you have any suggestions, comments, or ideas for future shows. A lot of the ideas that we're getting into now are ideas that have come to me from listeners who have sent messages about what they'd like to hear talked about on the show. So if you do have ideas, please send them my way. The address is all one word, dungeonsdragonpsychology at gmail.com. And we'll see you all next session.